Hey Mamad. Hey. So, uh hello guys. Today for the first episode, I am in conversation with uh, Mohammed. He's from Istanbul, Turkey, and uh we're going to talk about venture capital, the Turkish startup ecosystem and much more. Uh Mohammed and I we actually met in Dubai where he was handling operations for the Smart City Accelerator. and uh, i was one of the incubated founders with my venture civil corps uh, we worked together and also often used to hang out talk about startups football and our cultures over beer uh, great times we had uh, so mohammed thanks for joining me over let's learn something more about you and start with uh, how you started off and what are you doing these days hey babab it's delighted being here and Thanks for inviting me today. Um I can say I have a business background and I started my career as organizing entrepreneurial events in the college. When I was in my sophomore year, I organized a startup contest and took the winners to the Silicon Valley and then founded an entrepreneurship center of our college with a group of professors and tried to support students who want to be an entrepreneur. After that I was part of the first startup bootcamp smart city program. As you know since we were together in the accelerator we had a chance I had a chance to work closely with 10 very early stage startups. Finally I started my career in a VC after having some ex- different experiences by working in startups. Now more than one and a half years I've been working as an analyst in the Collective Spark VC fund. Since I am here to talk about some of my experiences I gained working as a VC I think it is better to give some insights about the fund I am currently working in Collective Spark does investments from its second fund of 35 million dollars we focus on early stage startups primarily in software as a service marketplaces fintech big data and industry 4.0 in Turkey and actually opportunistically elsewhere Our investment range is between 100k and 3 million dollars, but our sweet spot is between 500,000 dollars and 1 million dollars in the first place. We have a deep reserve policy and can go up to 5 million dollars per venture. So we prefer to lead the rounds we get involved and we are co-investment friendly. As we know decent co-investors bring different expertise, connections and aspects to the table. Soon we will have invested in turn startups and we have co-investors in all of them. Lastly, we call ourselves operational VC, which means for us that we have some hotshot experts in the house in technology, product, marketing side and they help our startups when they need their help. That's really interesting. So, Mohammed, uh you worked with Startup Bootcamp and uh, of course, uh, we know each other from back then. and uh, so what is your take on the whole acceleration model for startups uh, how do startups stand to benefit from these accelerators and uh, why are accelerators into this business yeah accelerators accept startups which are at very early stage and they are usually the first investors of the startups in the programs even though they invest in, invest in a really small amount of money at this stage it helps startups extend their runway and most of the startups they need 
most of the startup needs hands-on guidance to improve their product, reach product market fit, create their first traction, and a lot of other stuff. They can get various support from the entrepreneur in residence, mentors, and the program directors in the accelerators. The startups also need help in creating connections with B2B customers, business partners, and even investors. Accelerators are very useful institutions to create these connections. And accelerators are critical for investors as well. VCs would like to listen as many startups as possible, not to miss any opportunity, and accelerators make it easier. Also, they coach startups and get them ready to get investment from a VC. We as Collective Support invested in a startup we met in an accelerator and have a lot more in our pipeline. I think we can call accelerators investors. They invest money and they intend to get return on their investments. Many corporates today initiate their accelerators and they usually aim at creating synergy with those startups. They are aware that investing in startups and having partnership with them is a better way than is a better way than developing that technology in-house. And, and you have more experience in this matter. Maybe you can mention the support you got from Startup Bootcamp. Yes, in fact, uh, when we joined Startup Bootcamp, the Smart City Accelerator program in Dubai, uh, we were pretty nascent at Civil Corps. And uh, we were facing a lot of difficulties entering into the Indian markets uh, since we were in the government tech space. So getting into a different geography would have been impossible for us had it not been for Startup Bootcamp. And also it was a huge validation for us and for the follow-on investors. We eventually raised uh, venture capital later on uh, because of uh, what we did in Dubai. And uh, most of its credit goes to Startup Bootcamp. So, yeah, I can vouch for what you're saying. Uh, so, coming back to the VCs, Mohammed, uh, now that you're working with Collective Spark, uh, what does a typical day in your life look like? Actually, there is not a really typical day in a VC fund. However, I can tell about the usual task we are dealing with most of the time. First of all, we listen as many startups as possible to create a wide deal pipeline. We attend online and offline events, create inside opportunistic reports about different industries, and follow numerous resources to feed our deal radar. We have lots of meetings every week with the startups we might be interested in. After the meetings, for some of the startups, we can easily say it is a no-go. For another, it is too early and for the rest, there is always a next step. It can be talking to a customer, having a domain expert opinion, analyzing competition, calculating market size or preparing a question list about the parts unclear for us. It all changed case by case, but we usually apply these methods. Then we create an investment proposal and start due diligence for the ones we are seriously thinking about making an investment. If everything goes well and the investment committee decides to invest in, the, the term sheet and shareholding agreements negotiations start. This process also sometimes contains finding a co-investor for the deals. 
And this is the investment side. VCs also try to support the portfolio companies when they face a problem or VCs think they have a problem they might overlook. Apart, apart from here, Apart from having a problem, they usually want to have opinions of experienced partners and domain experts in our team about strategic decisions. We always try to give the best as we can because of our operational VC DNA. These of course do not contain everything, but typically what we do in a VC fund. That sounds pretty interesting, Mamat. Actually, operational excellence for the existing portfolio is something a lot of VCs have been working on in India as well. Uh, I mean, uh, they don't have a dedicated, not all of them, they have a dedicated team, but uh, they have been working a lot on uh, the portfolio companies, pushing them to raise further rounds as well. So uh, next, Mamat, I would like to ask you how uh, you as venture capitalists select startups what factors do you use and what is important for you uh, to look for in a startup when you decide to invest in them first of all all the vcs have a different focus they invest in different stages sizes fields and different geographies if a startup is not in our man- mandate we directly say that not to waste both our time and their time. I think the most important thing here is the team. A strong team with a poor idea can always pivot and find the right idea to run after. All the teams have different strong aspects. Some founders have a, diff- have a strong fundraising ability, some have great product mind and some are great hackers. Some have a good ability to find the right people and have them work for the same mission, even with a pay cut. Especially in the early stages, this is a very important skill. These all are the signs of strong teams, but they need to exist in a balance. For instance, if a a great hacker team in B2B business does not have a good business development arm, they need to complete this absence. Otherwise, they may have a good product that does not sell. We also expect the founders to be coachable. For us, it means that after listening to the advice, reason them out and apply the ones logical for themselves. Investors do not know their businesses more than themselves, but they can notice some aspects founders may not have seen. Shortly, not being a hardliner on the product or any other aspect. Market is another important factor. The market can be good enough to generate decent revenue for the founders, but it may not be large enough to create a sufficient ROI for a VC. So the market has to be large enough. And also, if there is a high level of competition, the startup should have a clear competitive advantage and convince us that it is a real advantage. And traction is another important factor, which means what you have achieved so far. It is a subjective matter and also depends on the size of the startup, but a very significant factor. Traction can be monthly revenue or some other metrics or social proof. What I mean by social proof is that the interest of other reputable investors or some key potential customers. 
these all change depending on the stage of the company actually but it really matters besides these factors VCs like starting a relationship with the startups as early as possible even if you are at the idea stage you can get in contact with the VCs you can get their advice before making a huge mistake and shape your roadmap by getting the VC perspective In the meantime, VCs can have a chance to track your progress and assess the founder's skill set. So, when it comes to getting funding, things would be a lot easier for both parts. Yeah, I think uh, that's in fact quite true because uh, I mean, VCs never want you in their anti-portfolio. So, a lot of times yeah. they might not say no to you outrightly. and that is when as an entrepreneur it's your job to sort of keep that relationship alive to update them with what's going on at your end to ask for their help not necessarily do everything with you yes they i mean they possess great knowledge about small business issues and we must take advantage of that so uh bahut many businesses at a nascent stage they face issues with valuing their own company and although there are a plenty of resources available online a lot of blogs have been written a lot of uh, advisors they bet they can do it but uh, there is so much haze around how do vcs determine a fair valuation of an early stage company uh, so is it total math or is it a mix of math and some sort of emotion i mean how do you determine the valuation of an early stage company yeah actually it depends I mean in the early stage since there is no number at all the factors affecting the valuations are basically the quality of the founding team and their ability to fund raising it is simple supply demand economics as well actually if the team has term sheets from different investors the valuation really goes up and in the later stages the numbers have importance There are different revenue multiples for different industries and business models. So it depends on the revenue, business model and the industry you are operating. There are some valuation ranges for similar companies and founders can look out for being in that range. Again, having a term sheet from another VC can raise the price of the deal, but this happens in a range. There are also geographical and seasonal factors on valuations. The same startups most probably have different valuations in Turkey, in India or in Silicon Valley. If there is more money, valuations go up, so in different geographies there are different valuation levels. Also, economic events have a direct effect on valuations. I do not expect the same valuation levels after the coronavirus since a lot of investors will have definitely cash flow problems. Uh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, especially in India a lot of VCs uh I've heard that uh, LPs are pulling their uh, capital money out of the VC funds. Uh yeah. but coming to a very interesting point so man I've heard so much about Turkey from you. uh and you also got me that amazing baklava from turkey so what is up in turkey what's happening in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship these days yeah you you um, know turkey has a new and growing ecosystem uh, it is still very small by the way uh the yeah. population of turkey is around 80 million but technology spending per person is far behind the europe and the us so it makes turkey a big market for having a lifestyle business 
but a small and inconsistent market for startups aimed at a decent exit. There are some areas the Turkish market is big enough, like some fintech and e-commerce opportunities, but most of the cases it is not. Most of the startups used to fall into this trap of aiming the Turkish market and only a few of them still survive today. However, most of the founders learned from these mistakes and from day one they now target overseas markets. Since Turkey is cost effective in many ways, startups nowadays use Turkey as a test and learn environment. They build their teams here, they develop their products here and find their product market fit. Then have investment and target the foreign markets. This is a common pattern in Turkey lately. Some of the startups operating in different countries have their technical team in Turkey. Because average salaries are lower than in Europe or in the US. Udemy is a good example of it actually. Even though they operate in the US, their technical team has been working from Ankara, Turkey since day one. Oh wow. And VC funds have a similar strategy. I think I can say that. Since the fund sizes here are very limited, our goal is to carry our portfolio companies into the next step where the bigger reputable funds from abroad invest in them in Series B or later rounds. There have been a few numbers of funds and a couple of people made effort to enlarge the ecosystem. But in the last years, number of funds started to increase and also the government is investing in five VC funds for the first time. These developments increase our hopes for the future because more money in the market means that more startups, more failure stories and more success stories. All of them are really important for our learning. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, and uh, Mamad, what are the upcoming sectors in the Turkish startup ecosystem? I mean, I understand, like you said, uh, that e-commerce and fintech is coming up big time. And uh, since your fund is also focusing largely on fintech and big data. So, uh, I mean, which are the areas that you guys look at? Uh, actually, as I said, fund sizes are very limited here still very limited and this makes the investors have hesitation about investing in capital intensive businesses i believe as the number of funds and fund sizes grow we see more investments in the areas where startups need to burn more money like some b2c areas or some deep tech fields so i can say that the risk appetite of investors will probably increase and the government recently started to give some incentives to invest in industry 4.0 startups. So it can also increase the investments in industrial technologies. Also lately, micro mobility startups, as you probably know, I am referring to shared electronic scooters, quickly multiplied but they got affected drastically from coronavirus. I wonder actually how the market will shape after all these will end. That's pretty interesting, uh, Mahmud. I mean, even in India, the government is uh, pushing the industrial and manufacturing sectors big time. Uh, I mean, we are, we are also very bullish on that. Uh, while it's very interesting that the, like you said, uh, 
the Turkish government they have invested in VC funds, which directly translates to their push towards uh, uh, the growing startup ecosystem. Uh, whereas, and yeah, I mean, uh, God help the shared mobility sector post coronavirus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, coming back to uh, our discussion around uh, VC investments. So I've typically noticed that many startups they approach investors in a very wrong fashion. I mean, as an entrepreneur, even I have made those mistakes uh, yeah, of, of creating a bad uh, first impression. And uh, since you said the team and the founders are one of the crucial factors, the deciding factors uh, that you consider while investing, what are some of the uh, the other common mistakes that uh, entrepreneurs make while they talk to you? Yeah, we both can count lots of mistakes, of course. And uh, yeah, I, I am going to mention some of them, but there is a yeah. lot more definitely. Um, yeah, first, yeah. first of all, cold emails don't work most of the time. It is not very hard to find a common connection with someone in a VC. It is worth to spend time on getting an introduction from someone, definitely. You can at least go and talk to a VC in an event. While doing that, dropping some good numbers or distinctive points are really helpful to attach that person's interest. Right, in an, right. Yeah. In an event out of town, a founder came to us and talked about the attraction and got our attention. And we were just leaving for the airport and he offered us to take to the airport and said, we can talk more on the way. We kindly refused it, but after the flight, we called him at even it was 11.30 p.m. and we listened to his pitch since it was an exciting startup and clearly an ambitious founder. Wow. Yeah. And the second one I can say that is team conflicts. As I mentioned earlier, the team is really important for investors. In some meetings, co-founders often interrupt each other and give very different answers to the same questions. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. these are definitely very bad signs about personalities and make us reluctant about the deal instantly. And another thing is that coming to the meeting without searching the VC fund, actually it is a huge mistake. Some entrepreneurs have no idea about our prior investments, ideal ticket sizes, or even our scope. So reviewing the website of the fund for only just two minutes before the meeting can be enough, um, can be enough to get the deal done. A more fundamental mistake is to try building a startup on an idea that has been tried and failed a lot of times before and not having a clear difference from that. We advise them to talk to the entrepreneurs who have experienced the same before and learn which factors make their startups fail and how you mitigate these risks. <laughs> a similar mistake is that creating a very similar product by adding some features to the one that exists in the market, dominates the market, and customers love. Adding features is not a competitive advantage and Mm -hmm. it is always a capital intensive to beat a monopoly in the market. In some early startups, there is also lack of focus. They try to do everything at once and unfortunately waste their resources. Even if you have a good product, you have to have a laser sharp focus as you have limited resources. 
otherwise it is very unlock unlikely to survive unfortunately and also some other start some startups have very complicated cap tables some have a major stakeholder who is not a, even co-founder and these cap table issues are real setbacks for the investors they have to clean clean the cap table before getting an institutional investor definitely so these are real deal breakers and you can of course add a lot more to them maybe we could record another whole episode on these kinds of mistakes what do you think yeah 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 i mean absolutely the thing is these points that you mentioned they are very very specific and uh, insightful so definitely we could like uh, do another full episode on uh, these mistakes uh, and also how we could uh, avoid them so yeah. that was, that was very comprehensive and insightful bro and uh, so we'll stop this episode over here it was absolutely insightful and amazing to get your views on venture capital and the turkish startups i hope to see you super soon in turkey and uh, thanks again for doing this let's do this again super soon yeah of course um th- thanks a lot and thanks for tuning in everyone and see you next time see you man bye bye take care bye take care